All right, folks, this weekend, going into this weekend, a lot of news and updates. Real quick, I don't know if you saw this <laughs> back on Tuesday during the State of the Union address. There were two awkward senators during that time. One was, it looks like the only senator wearing a face mask. That would be the infamous Bernie Sanders and then the very awkward and somewhat lost John Fetterman. Let me give you the update on John Fetterman as I reported earlier today about uh, him going to the hospital. But th this update is more about how they're trying to spin this. And as they spin this, they make it even worse. And I'm talking about the New York Times as they published what was supposed to look like a sympathy article for John Fetterman. Uh, today, Friday, by reporter Annie Carney. So she's reporting on the uh, freshman senator and how he's dealing with becoming a, a U.S. senator just months after a debilitating stroke. But then the article like contains these quotes that let us know that it was irresponsible and wrong for John Fetterman to continue this, that he should have bowed out. For instance, they, uh, they do mention that he had a near-fatal stroke and that he likely permanently harmed himself by not taking the proper time to recuperate. And that now he has serious, quote, serious mental health challenges, and that his brain is so scrambled that he hears peanuts voices when people talk to him at times. You know, look, folks, the woke is absolutely crazy when we have people in positions. They can't function in the job. I am all about disabled people, my brothers and sisters, contributing to society. I like it when I see people with Down syndrome or autism working at the grocery store or what have you. Everyone that works and can work and has capacity to add value to our U.S. economy is welcome and encouraged by me. But I'm also about meritocracy. And you don't have someone lead a large state like Pennsylvania, the great state of Pennsylvania, who was not able to do so, who is hearing wah, 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 when the constituents and other lawmakers who can't read, I mean, the whole thing is ridiculous. But, you know, Pennsylvania wanted John Fetterman over a world-renowned doctor who's liked by lots of people on both sides. Democrat math is one amazing form of math. I wish I could do it. I wish I could do it because I'd be have successful businesses with little or no effort and not being able to even do those businesses. Democrat math, we would all be brain surgeons even though we've never gone to medical school. Federman was sworn in on January 3rd. He's kept a low profile. Actually, I think the last time I heard of him since his swearing in for the, the last month is, uh, you know, when they pointed him out during the uh, the State of the Union address. We're watching uh, individuals come in. Uh, John Fetterman, the brand new uh, senator from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania there. He's the larger gentleman towards the back there. Uh, and it, right in front of him, of course, is uh, Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri. Bernie Sanders wearing... Uh, the mask. Okay, let's uh, move from Pennsylvania back to D.C. 
folks, I didn't give you all the information about Chuck Grassley and what his whistleblowers said the other day in the report. I want to uh, I want to flesh this out and give you some more uh, information. There's a new article today in Breitbart Friday that details uh, more than the portion of his testimony that I saw. It actually turns out that the whistleblowers didn't just suggest that uh, there was some malfeasance, but actually that the FBI Washington field office actually improperly closed the criminal conduct investigation into Hunter Biden. It's a little bit uh, more active or inactive in what happened. Grassley, who spoke before the select subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government, relayed shady information from Senate whistleblowers about the FBI's apparent investigation into Biden family. Here's the information that I want to add to that I did not give you in the last report. Among several allegations, Grassley said whistleblowers have told his office that FBI personnel at the Washington field office, quote, improperly ordered information to be closed by the FBI related to Hunter Biden's potential criminal conduct in October 2020, just before the election, even though it was verified or verifiable. That's huge, folks. The revelation of the FBI's handling of alleged criminal conduct related to Hunter comes as Grassley believes former FBI point man Timothy uh, Tebow shut down a probe in a Hunter's laptop that is likely unrelated to the ongoing criminal probe concerning reported tax fraud by the president's son. So they had verified and verifiable information and right before the midterm elections, they shut down the investigation. But we're supposed to believe that Trump and the Republicans are partisan and politicizing things but they stopping an investigation and just calling it quits. Trump haters calling it quits to protect Hunter Biden. Nothing to see here. That's all uh, above the board. Everything is fine. More updates for you folks regarding the FBI. I, re- I reported, I don't know, if, was it here or on my other show? If you're not aware, I have two shows. I report on things on the other show. It's called BCP Unfiltered that I generally, it's not wise for me to get into too much detail here uh, on YouTube about it. But if you want to check out the show, join our community for free and we have exclusive and non-exclusive content that you can see over at therealbcp.com. But we talked about this, the FBI going after my Catholic brothers and sisters and how they're classifying those who like Latin mass as potential domestic terrorist threats. Absolutely ridiculous. Well, now the FBI has pulled that leaked internal document announcing an investigation into radical traditionalist Catholics, which they labeled far-right white nationalist movement. The text was leaked uh, a few days ago by FBI whistleblower and subsequently published by Kyle Serafin, who had been a special agent at the Bureau for six years before he was suspended without pay in June of last year. So in response to Catholic News Agency, the FBI said it would remove the document because it does not meet our exacting standards. I pointed this out in the other the other day when I reported on the story that it did not meet their standards, but it was still signed off by the highest counsel, legal counsel, in that office in, uh, I believe it was Richmond, Virginia. So now they're pulling back on it. 
and now they're saying, oh, oh no, it, it doesn't meet our standards. Yeah, it didn't meet their standards because they got caught. Simple as that. But folks, this is the power of us being aware. Do you understand that they're making Christians, Catholics, people of morality, the enemies of the state because they are evil, they are wicked, they are vile, they are Satanists, they're Luciferians, they're devil worshipers, whatever you want to call them, and they hate God in any form of godliness or righteousness. They don't even like you to have those opinions even if they disagree with them. Remember, United States, we have the First Amendment, we have freedom of expression. You can be who you want to be as long as it doesn't infringe on my rights, my family's rights, my property, etc., but that's not how these Marxist, fascist bastards want it. It's their way or the highway, and their way is godlessness. Whether you are a Catholic, whether you are Protestant, any Christian, they do not want anything to do with you or anyone of faith. Anyone who's a practicing faith, especially. Okay, another story to follow up on, or maybe not follow up on. I showed you that very, very awkward kiss. Mwah! That little smoochy smooch. It's Friday, folks. I'm feeling free and fancy, free, uh, free and fancy on this Friday. But that little smooch between Kamala Harris's husband and Jill Biden. Very familiar, very familiar kiss. Once again, as I mentioned before, if you're not aware, I am half black, half Latino. We're very kissy on my Latino part of the family. Kiss on both sides of the cheek. Not a big deal. But I'm sure as hell not going to be planning a wet one on the lips of my friend's wife like that. That's just uh, it's a no-go zone. You know, I, I, I'm not into that freakiness. No swinging uh, in this household. Vice President Kamala Harris said during a recent interview she has not seen the video of her husband, second gentleman Doug Emhoff, sharing a smooch with First Lady Biden moments ahead of Tuesday's State of the Union address. Then she bizarrely changed the subject. Univision's Edwin Petey asked Harris for a reaction for the viral video of the kiss, but she denied seeing it. No, I haven't seen the video, Harris said. Quickly switching the subject to something completely unrelated to the smooch. But I, knew, I do know that the First Lady and the Second Gentleman are working arduously with what we are doing with my husband against anti-Semitism. Harris briefly mentioned that her husband was just in Poland visiting Auschwitz and continued to emphasize his commitment to fight against anti-Semitism and also against hatred towards immigrants, which Harris sadly said we have sadly seen on our own country. But the First Lady and Second Gentleman are truly, truly concerned for many people that are overlooked and underrepresented. Again, this interview was on Spanish language television. It's amazing the stuff that we're gleaning from these Spanish language uh, news interviews like I covered in the previous episode. We have treasonous, traitorous, rat bastard uh, uh, Joe Biden saying, oh, you know, the, uh, the whole spy thing, you know, it's not, not downplaying it, not, not a big concern. It wasn't a big deal, essentially. Wasn't a big deal. Okay, folks. Only in leftist America. When I saw this headline, I had to chuckle. Black man protesting in blackface booted from Sarah Silverman's show. Now, of course, if you know Sarah Silverman in her show several years ago was wearing blackface 
So a black man protesting the blackface of a non-black person is booted from the show for wearing blackface. You can't make this stuff up, folks. You just can't make it up. A black man says he was manhandled and removed from a February 4th Sarah Silverman concert for wearing blackface. The 71-year-old Michael B. Jackson says he wore the blackface to protest Silverman's use of blackface 15 years ago in a skit on her canceled TV show. Jackson said things got so rough, six security guards were necessary to remove him and he ended up in the hospital because only leftists and their bodyguards to protect these folks. They manhandled and threw a 71-year-old black man, uh, roughed him up for wearing blackface in protest of a non-black person wearing blackface. Jackson claims he was there to protest peacefully, but Silverman's opening act, Rory Albanese, spotted him and started insulting him. Jackson says he did not reply. Then per Jackson, Albanese called security to have Jackson moved to a balcony seat. Oh, he was offended that he was too close to him. That sounds pretty freaking racist to me. But hey, when it comes to Democrats, white, black, or whatever ethnicity they are, they can be racists because they're Democrats and they're called progressive. We, on the right side of the aisle, we, right of center, like to judge people by the content of their character, by the merit of how well they do or don't do, and we don't like people pandering as a black man. I don't like people pandering to me. Don't speak down to me. Yes, I can get my own voter ID because I know how to get a driver's license or a state ID. You don't have to lower the standards for us. We're just as smart as you. But if you keep giving us your form of racism of low expectations, well, that feeds into low expectations and some people are not going to exceed So it's almost a self-fulfilling thing by design by white, black, and other leftist racists to keep us down. There's no systemic racism or anything systematically keeping us down. It's just the attitude of the Marxist Democrat leftists and the people who buy into their false agenda and ideology. Here's what the New York Post said. In a video of the altercation, which the protester filmed on his phone, security can be seen repeatedly asking the audience member to leave. The senior, repeat, the senior repeatedly refuses, declaring that he has a right to be here because he bought tickets. The feed cuts out before the alleged physical ejection. However, Jackson claimed that security summoned police who slapped him with a ticket for trespassing. A casino rep has since confirmed that the protester has been given the ticket for refusing to leave until police escorted him out of the building. Because leftist Democrat... Marxists can throw out a black man who paid for his ticket because he's not down with their racist agenda. Now, folks, I thought I wish that was the only story of weird irony I had for you, but no. A bizarre incident took place a couple days ago at a press conference by Ohio Governor Mike DeWine in East Palestine about a hazardous train derailment in which a reporter from News Nation doing a stand-up report was surrounded by a county sheriff town police officers, state troopers, the building superintendent, and was shoved by a National Guard general. He was arrested for refusing to leave the press conference, even though he is a journalist with News Nation. They thought he was speaking too loud. 
Lambert told the officers, I'm doing my job. This is covered by the First Amendment. Um, looks to me like this reporter, Evan Lambert, a D.C.-based correspondent for News Nation, looks like he's a black guy to me or half black. I mean, I'm half black. Nothing wrong with that. I'm half black, half Puerto Rican. Yeah, but that's how it goes with these folks. Now, Governor DeWine says he didn't ask for the guy to be roughed up or kicked out. He just thought he was being a little too loud as he was reporting. Yeah, this guy looks like he's black to me or half black or something. The uh, arresting officer, or, or the one tackling him, I'm not going to show it to you because um, they will say that I'm showing dangerous content here. But the uh, police officer who arrested him looks like she has a pink gun and pink cuffs. That pretty much tells you everything you need to know. All right, we have yet another person leaving this disastrous, terrible, horrible administration, this freak clown show, this dumpster fire called the Biden administration. Biden's communications director, Kate Bedingfield, is leaving the administration, they announced today. Oh, boo-hoo. We're all so sad. We're sad the lies and the spin. Look, I don't know Kate Bedingfield, but the times I've covered her, she has that uh, that leftist sociopath look to her. I guess you have to be to do the job that she does. Karine Jean-Pierre does. Gotta have that uh, disregard for the truth. So there you have it. Uh, Since my time as vice president, Kate has been a lawyer and trusted advisor through thick and thin, Biden said in a statement. She was a critical strategic voice from the first day of my presidential campaign in 2019 and has been a key part of advancing my agenda in the White House. Well, seeing that Joe Biden didn't really even campaign during his campaign, I bet you she was a, you know, critical strategic voice because she was one of the only voices probably out there on the campaign trail. So uh, Labor Secretary Marty Walsh, as I reported, is also leaving the Biden administration. He's going to the NHL because the NHL obviously needs some more wokeness. One of the manliest sports and organizations is probably about to go downhill. All right. John Podesta back in the news. Money man, John Podesta. And he's playing his part to help the deep state fight against free speech in a kind of roundabout way. So as we know, John Podesta and his brother Tony are two very interesting characters. And if you've ever read their leaked correspondence, there is some freaky, sick crap in there. I don't know. I personally don't like to have pool parties with age-inappropriate participants, but that's just me. Speaking of pools, Biden made John Podesta the head of a pool of money the government will hand out to their Democrat friends. So in early September of 2022, John Podesta was taking over the head of a new government venture. The Biden White House had... uh, had made the announcement that uh, there's going to be a senior clean energy and climate team. And Podesta was assigned to oversee the implementation of $370 billion worth of climate change provisions 
that were included in the New Green Deal masquerading as a Inflation Reduction Act that Biden signed back in August of last year. Now, Podesta is currently the chair of the board of directors for the Center of American Progress. We know a liberal think tank that he himself founded 20 years ago. He was Hillary Clinton's former campaign manager. He served as chief of staff to uh, President Clinton and was a top advisor to President Obama. And yes, folks, they, uh, they liked having interesting catered events at the White House, even though they're not supposed to have catered food at the White House. Those of you who know what I'm talking about know what I'm talking about. It was reported yesterday that Podesta's outfit just awarded, with the blessing of John Podesta, $2 billion to Redwood Materials, a U.S.-based materials company that was founded by Tesla co-founder J.B. Strobel. He has received a conditional approval for a $2 billion loan from the U.S. Department of Energy for domestic battery cell production. So let me see. Deep State John Podesta, who got a whole bunch of people silenced as they were looking into his correspondence that were made possible via WikiLeaks and thanks to a, uh, say his name, Seth Rich. We know what was in there. We saw it. We know the creepiness. And a lot of people got shut down and canceled because they were just interested in what was going on in these pool parties and other activities. And we now have Elon Musk being the new owner of Twitter, championing free speech. So I don't know if this is legitimately a good cause of our money. I would say by principle, no. I don't think the government should be in the business of picking winners and losers. Uh, Solyndra, anyone? Solyndra, remember that? Remember Look up, folks, if you're not familiar with this car, one of the most beautiful cars ever, ever penned and made as far as what it looks like on the outside. The uh, the Karma Fisker. Karma Fisker. Google it. Gorgeous car made by Henrik Fisker. They wanted a business because they had one battery supplier and that battery supplier went out of business. Wow, there's a lot of wacky things happening when it comes to batteries and the O'Biden people. But here we go again. The DOE's Advanced Technology Vehicle Manufacturing Program, which helped Tesla develop its signature Model Y, is funding the loan, according to Bloomberg. The program's lending limit shot up to $55 billion by Joe Biden's signature of the Inflation Reduction Act, nearly four times its previous levels. And now that is why we've got Mr. Strobel getting $2 billion in guaranteed loans to compete with car batteries. And once again, this is a co-founder of Tesla who will be in the space and competing with Tesla. Once again, Elon Musk championing free speech and John Podesta and the O'Biden people giving money to his opposition. Our money, by the way, let's not forget. By the way, a recent ABC News Washington Post poll found that 41% of Americans say they are in a tougher financial situation before Biden took office. Only 16% say they are better. 
And that is a change from the last time I reported where I think it was uh, in the 30s. So every week this poll comes out, it's worse and worse. But hey, at least that virus assistance, that pandemic assistance funds uh, went to help people. I remember back in the 2008, 2009, 2010, I can't remember exactly when that bailout happened. I remember someone saying, too big to fail. They should just give the money to the people. Now, I oppose that because I don't think the government should be in the business of giving people money that's not theirs. But it's so funny that it happened under Trump. The neocons, the neolibs, the liberals, and uh, Marxist Democrats, and the right-wing Republican conservatives are all the same when it comes to shilling for big business and not really helping the little man. Whether you agree or not on the stimulus checks and all those funds, it happened under Republic President Donald John Trump. Well, now we're finding this out. Billions in stolen virus assistance funds likely poof, gone forever. Epoch Times reporting, a rush to provide financial assistance to Americans forced out of their jobs in the pandemic resulted in $191 billion bonanza for fraudsters, according to the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, Republican from Missouri, Jason Smith. Quote, there's no question folks needed help, which is exactly why Congress should have protected this program and those needed it against the criminals who exploited it to commit fraud. The Bureau of Labor Statistics reported the unemployment rate reached a record high of 15% after lockdowns. That's why they did this. And now they're finding out this. During a hearing, three expert witnesses told the committee some things could and should be done to prevent future problems. But when it comes to recovering the billions of tax dollars lost to criminals, they held out little hope. Much of that money was lost to organized fraud rings in Nigeria, China, Russia, and other countries. That's right. It went overseas. To find the overseas fraudsters could be a challenge, said Michael Horowitz, chair of the Pandemic Response Accountability Committee for the Office of the Inspector General for the DOJ. You know, Michael Horowitz, the OIG over there. Most state unemployment agencies were unprepared for the crush of calls and applications that flooded their office. And of course, the fraudsters took advantage of it. Now, let's talk about money going overseas. We have, over the past year, have spent $110 billion to secure the Ukrainian border while we do nothing for our own southern border, but that's a whole other seminar. We did this to ensure Ukraine could be free from the encroachment and the big bad bully known as Vladimir Putin and Russia. Almost a quarter million Ukrainian soldiers are dead and millions have fled the war zone. Okay. Now, of course, we know there's reports that we actually blocked peace efforts because the warmongers need to have their war, especially since they're behind schedule since Trump didn't start any new ones. Well, yesterday, 11 Republican lawmakers have said that they've had enough. They're calling on the United States to halt additional military and financial aid to Ukraine. By the way, the money we're sending is not even audited. We have no idea where it's going. Like we have no idea where those stimulus and those virus pandemic funds are. We're not going to find them. They're long gone from Nigeria, China, and Russia. Or at least 
their first place where they landed. And once again, leading this charge is U.S. Congressman Matt Gates, who led a group of 11 lawmakers in calling for the United States to halt additional military and financial aid to Ukraine through the introduction of the Ukraine Fatigue Resolution. If passed, the resolution would express through the sense of the House of Representatives that the United States must end its military and financial aid to Ukraine and urges all combatants to reach a peace agreement. Here are the people that joined Matt Gates, Representative Andy Biggs, Lauren Boebert, Paul Gosar, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Anna Paulina Luna, Thomas Massey, Mary Miller, Barry Moore, Ralph Norman, and Matt Rosendale. A lot of these same principled people we saw fighting back against the automatic ascension of Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House. And I think, folks, that brings us up to date. Oh, by the way, um, there's a new bill in New Mexico aiming to lower the voting age to 16. House Democrats in the state of New Mexico introduced a bill that would allow 16 and 17 year olds to vote in a city, county, and statewide elections. This new bill would amend Mexico's previous state laws that required in-state voters to be 18. Let's see what happens to House Bill 217. If you're in New Mexico, call your local representatives and tell them to stop the freaking nonsense. Folks, I will have various more reports for you throughout the weekend. Thanks for being here. It's the next one. Ciao. Goodbye. God bless. We have a second sister YouTube channel. The links to everything are down below, but check it out. It is called the BCP Report. It's where my daughter reports the news with no commentary. She just gives you the news. We also have an, a show called BCP Unfiltered. You can catch that um, in several places. The links are down below, but you can go to therealbcp.com to check it out. And here, folks, on this channel, please do me a favor. Like, share, and subscribe. Share this on social media. I am back on Facebook. The link is down below. Please uh, follow me on Facebook. And like and share on Facebook. It'll make it easier because I'm posting links to my videos on Facebook. Once again, the links are down below. And just in case you don't know who I've been and who this is, my name is James, a.k.a. BCP. BCP, a.k.a. BCP. Have a great weekend. We'll have more reports for you coming up.